0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. We're
1: going to pick up in 19b Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Now, um, last week Jace covered this guy who was breathing out murderous threats against the church and he becomes a Christian. It's phenomenal. But I just want us to get inside his mindset for a moment. And Linnea touched on this last week as well. But just think about Saul's frame of mind in this time where he has previously been hunting men, women and children from their homes to persecute them because they believe in Jesus. And now he's one of them and he's living among them. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. I just can't even imagine the the guilt that I would feel the, the, the shame that I would feel, the horror at, you know, the people around me. Maybe I've killed some of their family. But even more, I'm stunned at the believer's response, that they allow him to stay with them. That is just phenomenal. And that can only be God. That only happens because God makes that happen. And then it says in verse 20, And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, Guess what, guys, got it wrong. He is indeed the Son of God. My bad. (laughs) Sorry, all you guys. Um, He is indeed the Son of God. He just goes straight out there. And that's what I love about Paul. He doesn't let his guilt, he doesn't let his shame stop him. He takes God at his word where he says that you are now forgiven and set free and immediately goes out and preaches the Gospel. So I just want to pause there for a second and ask, what are you letting stop you from what God wants you to do? Have you been killing Christians and now you're called to serve them? Is that what's stopping you? Because I feel like anything less than that is pretty, we, 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 we can do it. If Paul can do it, we can do it. Um, all who heard him, verse 21, were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem?" fair question they asked. And didn't he come here to didn't he come here? Wasn't he on his way here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? So the questions were asked. But let's read verse 22. Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So here we have Saul preaching to the Jews And he is the Jew of Jews. He knows his stuff. He has worked out, it's such a radical shift that he's gone from hating those who call Jesus the Messiah to being one of those who calls Jesus the Messiah. And that kind of radical shift in my mind either makes him a sociopath or completely changed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. History tells us that he wasn't a sociopath, what he endured from here on in and the way he preached and the way he taught History tells us that's not the case. He is actually just completely transformed. So again, just pausing, who's someone in your life that you feel like is completely beyond the reach of the gospel? They are not. No one is beyond the reach of the name of Jesus. Verse 23, after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They couldn't refuse him, so they chose their next option. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so that... They could murder him, but Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a basket through the opening in the city wall. I just think that's cool. (laughs) Let's keep reading. Uh, Verse 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Fair enough. They did not believe he'd truly become a believer. You would. You would think that he's undercover, that he's covert, that he's on a stealth mission and he's just spying out the land and he's going to get them and kill them all. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Now, I just want to point out that he's still being called Saul here. And um, so often it's kind of talked about that Saul became Paul. But in fact, Saul was always Paul. Back then, they often had. Um, many names. And as we read through the book of Acts, you'll see so-and-so also called so-and-so. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name. So he was always Saul and Paul. He doesn't get start getting called Paul until Acts chapter 13. And that's when he's actually more um, among the Gentiles. And that's why. So he doesn't actually, it's not like an Abraham and Sarah moment. Abram and Sarai becoming Abraham and Sarah because they've sealed this new covenant with God. It's actually just, he still is Saul and he's still Paul. That's who he is. So it says that Saul... Oh, no, I've got to just touch on this because Saul is like intense, right? Think of the most intense gospel preacher or the intense personality that you know. Saul is intense. On the one hand, when he's dead against um, Jesus being called the Messiah and the Jews who have converted to Christianity, he is like all in, gung-ho, going for it. Now that he's become a Christian, he is all in, gung-ho, going for it. That's his... That's his frame of reference. That's his, his temperament. He is a go for it kind of guy, nothing by halves. But then we come to a guy called Barnabas. And Barnabas is known for encouragement. Barnabas is known for encouragement. I, I love Barnabas. Wherever he goes, and we see it all through the book of Acts, he's just encouraging people wherever he goes. Um, when Paul says that he doesn't want to be with John Mark anymore because John Mark turned back, and, and left them, Barnabas is like, well, he can come with me and he's got so much grace for him. And, and as we think about that, what are you known for? Like when you get together in conversation and in circles, are you known for drama? Are you known for um, gossip? Are you known for being the one who's always in the know? Or are you known for encouragement? Are you known for speaking life? Are you known for just um, helping people wherever they are and turning them around and lifting them up? That's what I want to be known for. Not great at it, but getting there, maybe, not yet, soon. Okay, (laughs) Trish, Barnabas. Um, Okay, so Barnabas um, brings him to the, um, Barnabas does his job. He brought them to the apostles and told how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. So he encourages them all, no, no, accept Saul. Yeah, sure, he's been a bad guy, but bring him in, accept him now. And then he talks about the success that he had in preaching. Verse 28. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers, I hate it when that happens, when the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace through Judea, Galilee and Samaria and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. So remember Jesus' commission. Go into all the world, go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the Adamo- there might have been another one in between. The other uttermost parts of the earth, they're on their way. They're already through Jerusalem. They're already through Judea. They're heading through Samaria and it's becoming stronger and stronger. Now, just to finish off, because I just want to do something quickly before I'm done, Peter heals Aenus, I'm not sure how to say that, and raises Dorcas, unfortunate name. Meanwhile, Peter travelled from place to place and he came to visit the believers in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Aenus who had been paralysed and bedridden for eight years. Um, Peter said to him, dude, Jesus Christ heals you, get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydia and Sharon saw this guy walking around and they turned to the Lord. How amazing. Jesus said to a guy, pick up your mat and go home. And now here is Peter saying, pick up your mat and go home. And this guy's instantly healed. When Jesus said, greater things will you do in my name than I ever did, Peter's doing it right here. And you might say, well, Brian, that's only just as good as what Jesus did. But, But Peter's only one of the apostles who was doing this. Jesus, one man, one space, one time. Now the apostles are going out and they're doing it. And, uh, and you know, I've never seen this happen. Um, I think I told you before, the, the one miracle that I've seen when I've prayed for someone is here at church and a lady had like a film over her eye and her eye was pointing that way. And I prayed for her and I've never seen her again, but her eye instantly just went straight and the film went away. And I was, I was like, like, this is awesome, That's totally what I was expecting. This is awesome. And, And so I'm determined that greater things will we do as a church, as the chapel collective, greater things will we do than Jesus did as we just call on the power of heaven that is freely accessible to us and say, we're going to pray for healing. The reason that we do this is because we're not what's called cessationists. If you read a bunch of commentaries on Acts, the idea is that all these miracles ceased once the Bible was put together. We don't need them anymore because we have the Word of God. Well, I don't believe it. I don't believe that love has passed away. I don't believe that um, understanding has passed away. So I don't believe that healings and miracles have passed away either. And we can call on the power of heaven and, and with faith, let our faith rise and see amazing things happen. This is what we can expect. It's something that we should believe for. And, um, and if you, you know, have a go and, and nothing happens, then have another go and pray for someone again. Sam Lovegrove is here. Emma, he, his wife, his dear wife, healed miraculously Are here and and able to eat things that she was never able to eat before there's been anyone experienced a healing miracle in their own life anyone in the room yeah there's some of us here this is awesome how cool let's pray and believe for miracles all right, keep going. Okay, there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas, probably went by Tabitha. Um, she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with windows who were weep widows and windows probably, um, who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed, turning to the body, he said, get up Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers and he presented her to them alive. Why is this significant? There would have been so many miracles that the apostles performed and Dr. Luke only wrote some of them down. Why is this significant? Because this is parallels so much what Jesus did when he healed... A little girl, and he said to her, even the name is similar. He said to him, Talitha, come, little, little girl, get up. Here, Peter says, Tabitha, come, get up, Tabitha, and she gets up. Jesus had sent everyone out of the room of the upper room. Peter sends everyone out of the upper room. He's just doing what he saw Jesus do, and we can just do what we see Jesus doing in the word here. Okay, let's, uh, let's believe for great things. 42. The news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord and Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, leaving with Simon a tanner of hides. Cool. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, um, you can live with the tanners, Gary and Claire, if you like, but um, a tanner of hides. That's like, is that what Dan does, Trish? Does he tan hides? Cool. You can stay with Dan and Trish if you like. Okay. Back to the focus. Let's believe for what God has for us as a church. Let's believe that we're not cessationists but neither are we sensationalists. Like we don't need to drum up some like ritual or anything else like that. It's just a matter of going and praying for someone in Jesus' name be healed and saying Lord if there's any unbelief in me help my unbelief and just praying and believing and reaching out and just keeping on going. Okay well I'm just with my one minute that I have left I want to mention a couple of things. One is that Jane is married and married Banjo last Sunday at the Botanical Gardens in a beautiful, simple ceremony and is having her shindig in Kenya in a few months. Um, But um, it's so cool that Banjo and Jane have made that decision. And also I just want to mention that we've been praying um, for a really great uh, family-friendly and suiting-everything job for Hayley and she's got one for next year. So can we thank God for that? That's awesome. And I just want to grab Luke up quickly. Um, If you could just do a bolt Luke to the front um, because we had our youth, uh, all of us event. Luke is operating on no sleep and no shower. So can you tell us about it? I can.
2: Um, (laughs) Now, yeah, we had an incredible event left at midday yesterday, got down to Sydney and it was about just under 2000 young people from youth ministries across our state gathered in a room together um, to encounter God. And it was incredible. We had a a whole busload of kids that went down, and we had about six of our crew put their hand up. A few of those are rededications, and some of them are fresh dedications, and even rededications. Is God moving in our young people to stir them up, and just quickly, I remember events like this, I would go and be in awe of what I'm a part of as a Christian. I remember being in moments that would blow me away and encourage me and stir me to go, okay, that's it. I'm going to go to my school early before anyone gets there and pray. I'm going to – I would stir it and move to do things like that. And so, yeah, it was awesome to see our youth be impacted and run down the front to worship God and, yeah, it was incredible. Brilliant. And got back at 3 a.m.
1: and watched the movies. So it was good fun. <laughs> so good. I'm so happy for our young people and I'm so glad I'm not a youth pastor. <laughs> Although I did have Freya and Delilah and Hamish, so that was a bit like it. Um, um, Okay, we're going to have our time of reflection now. We're going to have a a couple of minutes. Um, Simply, what I'd love you to discuss is um, any testimonies of healing that you've had uh, or that anyone's seen or even heard of um, to build our faith and even discuss what is the one thing that stops you from praying for people for healing. Let's discuss those things. Um, I want to
0: tell you a story. I uh, have really fond memories of Saturday afternoons growing up, so we're driving around Newcastle with my dad in the Mitsubishi Sigma, who had a Mitsubishi Sigma, (laughs) we could have a couple of hands, a couple of Sigma fans, anyway, uh, it's great, Uh, not air conditioned, driving around summer, listening to ABC Grandstand Sport. Yes, we've got a few blokes in the house who are fans of AM radio, ABC Sport. ABC Grandstand Sport will be broadcasting a footy game or a cricket game or whatever, and then at intervals in play, be it tea break, be it halftime, whatever, they will do this thing where they go around the grounds. So they'll check in with commentators at Bell Reve Oval or um, the Wacker in Perth, and they'll get the score updates from everywhere around the country. We go around the grounds. Acts 9 is exactly that. Acts 9 is an around the grounds uh, look at what's going on around Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. I've got them all, Bron. I've got them all. Got all the locations around the grounds. In that we see three very different people, Paul, Peter or Saul, he's still Saul then, Peter and, um, and Tabitha, Dorcas, um, going presenting where they are at In their ministry with God. So I'm going to read exactly what Pastor Bron read, but I'm going to read faster. Okay? So here we go from verse 19. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God, preaching to his own people. Uh, All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc? In Jerusalem, love that word, havoc in Jerusalem. Very understated when you're murdering people. Among those who call on his name. And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days he had gone by, sorry, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night he kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through the opening wall." The opening in a wall. Verse 25 uses a term followers. Not Christians, not disciples, but followers. And it is really intentional in this part of scripture that Paul has followers. He was killing people and then he gets a conversion and now he's got followers. He's finding his own identity and he's finding his people, but he already has followers. You know, we, we as a church, we help believers. We're believers. We help believers. We are part of a community. We help other people in our community. I love that about the chapel. I love the fact that if you've got a need, you send it to the prayer team. The prayer team prays. The pastoral care team gets uh, mobilised and they will help you if that's what, exactly what you want. Uh, it may not be what you want, but there's that option there. There's connect groups there's ministry groups, there's there's friends, there's so many people around us who help us in and through our problems or just our hardships or just, our, just uncertain times. That is what the Christian church is there for. We're there to help believers, we're there to be behind believers, we're there to go before believers. And so as we're figuring out our identity as Christians, like Paul was or Saul was in this scenario, he's already got followers because he's investing in the kingdom. And so when we invest in the kingdom, when we invest in our church congregation, when we invest in our community, people see that and people want to follow that. And in this chapter, we see that Peter's doing the same in Lydda. So he's, he's already forming a, a ministry um, groundswell in Lydda and Lydda is the capital of Samaria. So it's a, real, it's a real hub in that area. And Peter is using that as a vantage point um, to, to bring about the gospel. And he just does the miracle with, what's that guy's name again? Old mate. Old mate. <laughs> who's paralyzed for eight years. And uh, you couldn't even pronounce it properly. <laughs> I wasn't going to have a go. <laughs> and, and then he's brought to, he's, he's brought to a, a proper um, walking ability so he's able to walk that was a poor sentence uh, I is that if that's offensive I'm really sorry I didn't mean to stumble upon my words there um, but anyway Peter has a moment where he shows the power of God and so our Aussie paradigm makes us think that the most powerful groups in our society are the ones that are the loudest so the media narratives will run with the loudest groups, not the strongest groups, the loudest groups. But when you look back on history, when you, when you see the efforts of the church, where you see the efforts of community organisations that are Christian, they're the people who are going about the mission of God and the mandate of God quietly and successfully and that's been the key points of change in history that God has used for the betterment of society. And we don't hear that in the media. We don't hear that in the social narrative. But be rest assured that that's what's happening against our Aussie paradigm. All right, let's jump back into the chapters and we'll we'll see a a couple more uh, examples here. So we're going to Joppa now. Current day, Jaffa. Um, In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Always doing good and helping the poor. We're going to pull that out in just a moment. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. We've read that. Um, so we'll keep going. With this story, Peter is in another town, 22 kilometres away by Google Maps today. He's in litter Joppa, 22 kilometres. So he goes. I don't know how long that would take on a donkey, but it's a half-hour drive today. All right? So we're probably, I don't know, half a day on a donkey. I don't know. Who rides a donkey? Anyone know? <laughs> If, if you'd like to give feedback on my lack of knowledge on donkey speed, feel free to email bronny.bennell at thechapelcoleptic.com.au <clears throat> Peter Peter hears the call from people who rush over to Litter to say, hey, Tabitha is in trouble. She's she's died. And we're hoping for a miracle. He's leaving a ministry context that is seeing success. And he goes 22 Ks across the road to help out there. Now, we don't know if he knew what was going to happen. All we know is that he responded to a call of God, to a a prompting from God to go and minister elsewhere. It was still in the region. So he was still carrying out his mandate, but he, he had to, he had the, had the wisdom to actually respond to God and go, you know what, I will go and help um, that person. Now, Tabitha was a widow. Joppa is a sea town. It's 46,000 people today. So it's it's really small, smaller than Tamworth. I've been there. There's nothing going on there. Like it's just like the, the, the fact that it's in the Bible and that people know about it is just remarkable. But there's nothing going on there. It's just a small seaside town. That's where Jonah launched from. But there was a lot of seafarers and they died because the Mediterranean has big storms and they just died. So there's a whole bunch of widows. Tabitha, unassuming, unassuming, very humble person who just served the poor and helped out her community she became a widow so in her circumstance a godly woman she became a widow and she could have wrestled with god or walked away with god and thought hang on god this is um un- this is unfair like why why am i why am i a widow now but then and then she's gone through a hardship of of coming of dying and coming back to life but why why would god allow her to go through that hardship it was because we could package up her her ministry story to see that she was in a context of ministering to local widows in a small seaside town. Her legacy is then extracted into the book of Acts and it lasts for eternity because Peter decided to see that in the moment and proclaim that and be there and respond to God so that we could have a story that we could read today. And so Tabitha responds to the call of God and she sees that if, she's, if she becomes a widow and she's hanging out with widows, then that's the people that she's ministering to. And so she helps them. And that becomes her life mandate, her God mandate to serve that community. And so we see these spotlights on different communities in the book of Acts. And, and we might only get a brief encounter, a brief sentence of a church in wherever in Acts, and we hear that it's going strong. And we see that in the context of Paul's journeys around um or around Asia Minor and, and all those areas, or Peter's or Peter's ministry around that time as well and that place. But what we see is three different people in this chapter doing three different walks with God, but the same obedience, the same application, and the same power. God doesn't measure the size of our ministry. God doesn't measure um, the context of our ministry. He just measures the heart, and he just measures the yes, that we give him. And so we're all called to a context. We're all called to a group. We're all called to a job. We're all called to a ministry. We're all called to all these things. God wants to use us as individuals to serve the collective. And we we see that in the mandate of the Chapel Collective. We plant in a town, we move on, and we plant in another town, and then the Chapel Collective has a footprint across a number of different towns in this region as the gospel is spread. Non-Christian people see that. I've had conversations when I tell people about where I live. Uh, sorry, I have conversations um, with people where I say where I work. And people go, oh, yeah, you've got one of those ones in uh, Gunnedah, don't you? And i like, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we're everywhere. And we're in Guyra and we're in Armadale and we're going to be here. And um, But we, we're based in Tamworth and we're taking over the place. And I get a little bit excited, I get a bit too excited when I'm telling non-Christians and I kill the conversation. (laughs) Anyway, what we learn in this part of scripture is that Paul had no right to have friends. Like he didn't make friends in what he was doing, but he still had followers. Everyone has friends, but not everyone has followers. If you're going to take something away from um, what I'm saying this morning, everyone has friends, but not everyone has followers. When we live a life for God, and when we say yes to whatever He's calling us to, if we do it well, we'll have followers. And and the, then the scriptures are really strong in saying that. I I like this. I love this scene in Forrest Gump, where he. We're not doing at the movies. It's fine. Um, we don't have time to play a clip. But there's this scene in Forrest Gump where he's just sitting on his porch and he just decides to run. He just gets up and goes running. And so he runs to one side of the coast of America and then he turns around and he runs back to the other coast. Like, it's it's great. Anyway, he does that for a few years and there's a scene where he's running through the desert of Utah and he's got people just running behind him and he he's, he's said to the media... I've got no reason for running. I just felt like running. And he, has, he still gets these followers because they're so intrigued by what he's doing. And then he stops and he says, I'm feeling tired now. I'm going to go home. And then and there's this beautiful scene of people just going, oh, we were following you. Yes, that's it there. Um, but it's this, it's this great scene where we just see that if you're doing something that people are interested in, for a good cause people are going to follow you and I look across this congregation and within the collective the chapel collective and I see people who I want to follow I I work really close with our executive pastor pastor Mike he has wisdom that can only be described as godly wisdom I want to follow him I want to follow people like Di Case who wants to have evangelistic conversations with everyone she meets. I want to follow people like Frank Coleman who says, I'm praying for you, Andrew. You know exactly that he is praying for you and he will continue praying for you. And I I want to follow and I I want to say that I'm I'm here to follow the Bunnells. I'm here to follow our senior pastors because they're blazing a path for God and I want to hitch my wagon to the, the work that they're doing, the response towards God that they've given to him I want to be a part of that and so I see people who are doing what God calls them to do and I want to follow them I want to hope that I'm doing whatever I need to be doing and people follow me and oh whoa that's a scary thought isn't it to think that people are following me and following and if you if you think that way if you think that God is is getting people behind you you live your life differently and so Tabitha she had followers which pressed her forward to living a godly life paul had followers which pressed him forward to living a godly life peter had followers which pressed him forward to building disciples and running with the call of god on his life and so this morning i'm not talking about followers on twitter or instagram that's fine if you've got if you're that interesting to have a heap of followers on instagram good for you well done I'm not talking about followers on a digital footprint. I'm talking about followers who are following your spiritual footprint. I'm talking about people who, who want to who, who just pick the fruit off your life because you're showing the fruits of the Spirit. I want to I encourage everyone this morning as you think about what difference am I making to think, well, if I'm just hanging out with God and I'm producing fruit, are people picking the fruit off, the, off my life? Are people doing that? Am I going to? Am I going to um, give? Am I going to see miracles in my life? Am I going to see a good godly life being well lived and have people follow that and have people want to emulate that? I want that. I really want that, and I hope you guys do too. I'm going to pray for everyone this morning, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you you help us. Follow good people. You put good people in our life that we want to follow. And, Lord, may we all feel like, may we all know that people are following us. Good, bad, or indifferent. But, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will rest on us this morning and give us the mandate to move forward and to bring people forward with us. To better our community, to better our families, to better our workplaces because you, you require this from us. I thank you, Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit to prompt us, to lead us and to guide us and to help us to shed our sin and to produce fruit so that other people can pick that off us. We pray that we'll see more testimonies from what we're hearing this morning, but more testimonies of your goodness in our social context. We ask this in your mighty name.